Good evening and welcome to a Snotfield Welcome to Horror. I am Mucus Loaded Lee. I am Normally Loaded Chris. And I am Bogeydacious Adam. <laughs> um, we have had yet another um, cursed episode this evening. Uh, we were supposed to be joined by Manny, who unfortunately had a last minute pressing engagement. Um, I, a friend of the show and previous guest, Chris Jones, was going to join in his stead. Um, I was then super ill and had to cancel. That was four days ago. And then this morning when I woke up to start recording, I was super ill again. So I had to tell Chris, probably best not to come and share a microphone. Um, and now Adam is ill on top of it. So it's a bit of a miracle that we're all here, to be honest. It's um, going to go well. Yeah, we'll yeah. just see how we go. I mean, we, will, we, will we make it to the end? No. This is the problem with robo tripping through an episode. I don't know what's <laughs> going to be said, and I'm still not editing it. So it's a bit meta, just like the Blair Witch. Mm. Oh well, um, you know. a warning, people: there will be spoilers on the main film, but not anything we cover in advance of that. Uh, and we will probably swear it's a, a lot because we're all cough syruped up. Um, yeah, yeah. So beware if you don't like. Hell swearing, yeah! Now's the time to fuck off. Rampant on a heady mixture of Tixie Licks and <laughs> nighttime fucking paracetamol. <laughs> um, so, yes, we will still be covering the 1999 Blair Witch Project. Bit of a classic, I think. Um, but before we get into that, let's keep it brief. But here we go. Chris, what have you been watching? I mean, yes. point name. Chris, what have you been watching? I have been watching. Um, I've been watching something called foundation anyone heard of that oh cool the um uh, asimov yes isaac asimov yeah Yeah, adaptation um now i really like it 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 feels like to me a good a good follow-on from the expanse which i mentioned last episode so it's it's proper proper epic scale sci-fi with i would say it's got some dark you know maybe horror ish aspects on occasion um, but it, it is, is particularly for me, an interesting idea I hadn't heard of before. Um, not, not real, I'll say, but uh, in it, a mathematician has created a field called psychohistory, which tries to use maths to uh, foresee what's going to happen to a civilization. And in this, he predicts that the civilization is not going to do very well very soon. And of course, that brings in concepts of well him saying it does that influence it and what is going to influence it and is it true and you know so that, that's all quite interesting um and but particularly something that stood out to me is and obviously not giving away too much of the plot i mean that's that's a pretty obvious part of the plot very quickly but um in it there's a like essentially a superhuman level ai based robot so you know looks human but is very skilled far more than than I am certainly, and helps the emperor of the civilization to to run everything. But the emperor is a clone of himself, so he's had several uh, generations. And the relationship that the robot has with him, uh, we've sort of learned in in the most recent episode, is quite complex. Like you can't tell, you know, it suggests that she may love him, and which one does she love? All of them equally, and it's like it's quite a feels like a concept of our time as we every day seem to be hearing more and more about what what 
amazing things AI can do. And we've still got a long way to go, but you know, it is quite a, an interesting philosophical point. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of sort of those Asimov concepts, like mm. like really good like a lot of really good science fiction, it's stuff that is now kind of we're, we're on the cusp of it. Yeah, with. yeah. <laughs> I keep I keep trying to persuade them at work because uh, I work for an IT company, and I keep trying mm. to persuade them that they should look into the concept of uh, becoming uh, an AI psychologist. In so much as AI are probably going to need therapy, <laughs> yeah, having to deal with us, yeah. So you know, you might actually need like a confessor, yeah. them, you know. Sort of thing. I suppose so, like, in um, in books, things like so Star Wars, you know that no, no. So I had I'd, obviously I'd heard of Isaac Asimov, but I'd never read the books. I guess it was a, a sense of they're probably not going to hold up compared to modern sci-fi. So never rushed to read it. Um, well, I, th- I think no, Asimov stuff does certainly yeah. seem to. Yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, even like with uh, the short story collection, I Robot, which mm. is fuck all to do with the film. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, this a, a negative point on this is it has been adapted quite significantly. So if you are a true fan of the books, yeah. you may uh, be a little put off by this. So yeah. I think it makes sense, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, like iRobot, I mean, in that mm. where it came up with the principles that are actually adhered to by genuine yeah. robotics theorists and stuff like yeah. that, of the, you know, cannot uh, cannot harm someone, cannot ha- do harm. Is it th- three rules? Yes, yeah, the three rules of I robotics, think, none of which yeah. I can quote. I would not, not, no, not, oh, no, <laughs> not this much cold and flu. <laughs> Tesco's as well, you know, sort of the old shit. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's good. A couple of other just quickly um, watched the first episode of it's on Disney Plus. It's like Star Wars uh, short stories made in the style of manga anime. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Like, I haven't watched it, but I have seen the things for it. Yeah, it's fantastic style. Um, I mean, I've not watched a lot of manga, um, but I think the first one is kind of a samurai type, which mm. obviously fits with a. Jedi, but yeah, you know, you know, it seems like an interesting idea. So I think we will sort of gradually work our way through them. Um, and it sort of reflects back because obviously, like Rashomon, like the Japanese film that was such a uh, influence on. I think um, you mentioned that, yeah, yeah, such an influence on George Lucas doing Star Wars, where it's like, it, and it is like, uh, like ancient Japan samurai yes. stuff. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I've been meaning to check them out because they do look good. I think the concept is basically that it's, you know, it's like an Elseworlds sort of scenario, mm. you know, like they do with comics. So it's just like an alternate thing where the Star Wars story plays out in feudal Japan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess it's interesting. Nice to be able to play with those sort of things mm. if you're given, given that sort of ability. Um, yeah, and and of course, I also watched the um, the documentary recommended by you, uh, Adam, yeah. for the Blair Witch, which I won't talk about until later. Yeah. There's a little teaser I, for I everybody. It is kind of the mo- part of the movie. I always think. <laughs> I, yes, the... yeah, I, I will agree. Certainly. Excellent. Well done, Chris. Uh, so, Adam, what have you been uh, storming your way through during your uh, disease-ridden few days? 
Well, I mean, as 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 the uh, as the the well, up until recently, the nurse of the of the team here, um, I've I've surprisingly watched a lot. So I will bust a rhymes my way through this so that we just get there. Um, I'm going to go in um, one that's actually weirdly relevant to the Blair Witch. I wanted to watch it and I found it cheap. Uh, was a film called um, Altered, which is. Uh, an alien abduction movie uh, directed by Eduardo Sanchez, who's one of the co-directors of Blair Witch. Mm. Um, and Mike from the Blair Witch is in it. Uh, and basically, it's a it's it's a pretty good film. I would love to hear Not For Everyone cover it, definitely, because I think it's got enough good stuff as well as bizarre stuff or what-the-fuck stuff going on in it that they would make a good review or episode of it but basically the premise is that it's a group of like rednecks who've been abducted years ago go out nightly trying to find an alien and then one night catch one (laughs) and and it's like the fallout of that where they take it back to one of their houses and are like well we've got it now so you know we'll we'll give them what for give them a probing and then it's like but obviously it's a fucking alien, so it can do things, and yeah, it's like got mind, it's got mind control and bizarreness, and it's it's one of those films that's weirdly it does have, it definitely I think veers into horror comedy, mm. in so much as it is it's that thing of you've got these four people who have really fucking bitten off more than they can chew, yeah, but but the, and gradually lose that confidence that they started with. Uh, you know, from the, uh, the, uh, the thing of it, they're very gung-ho, and then it's like, shit, this is playing out really fucking badly. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, definitely uh, definitely worth a watch. It was more of a, it was just something I'd always wanted to see, and I thought, well, while we're covering Blair Witch, I'll definitely uh, check it out. Um, the other thing that has turned up oddly on Amazon Prime, which I'm really sort of pleased about, is I watched The Green Knight, which is... Oh, yeah. the- uh, Seguin and the Green Knight adaption. Really fucking good. Really just beautiful. Just a mm. proper trip. Um, and the thing I really like about it is it kind of it has, there's definitely a thing going into it. Be aware that they will have an expectation that you know the basics of Arthurian legend. Because mm. there's sort of bits in it which almost it feels like it's like Rogue One or like a Marvel movie, but like the third one of a Marvel series or whatever like that, because there's characters who are highlighted who are obviously much more important than the main character, but they don't even get named. But it's like, oh, that's clearly Merlin. Or, you know, and so you've got Arthur and uh, Guinevere and and Lancelot, but they're like barely involved. Mm-hmm. But basically, the story of Gawain and the Green Knight is the a giant green knight turns up one day when they're having a party, says, uh, "Anyone who can, uh, anyone who wants to strike me with a blow, they can do so, and if they defeat me, uh, I will leave, and we will recommence this in a year's time, and I will do the same move that you did to me." So Gawain pops up, chops the thing's head off. And then the body just gets back up, picks up the head and fucks off and says, see you in a year's time. And yeah, 
I mean, that's the basic of it, but that does not even approach how fucking like astounding it looks. And yeah, it does. It, and it, it almost overrides the fact that at the time I was like, just give him a nipple twist. Like, if all he's going to do yeah. is come back in a year's time and do to you what you did to him, just give him a very light slap on the face. Like, you don't need to cut yeah. his head off in one blow. Yeah. And ultimately murder yourself. But yeah, I imagine these knights have got a little bit of ego, you know. Well, I mean, that's the th- I mean, that's the thing is, it's kind of like it is a sort of tale of a, a man reaching because in the in the sort of accepted story of it, Gwen is already a knight, but in this, mm. it's how he becomes a knight mm. is that he goes on this quest. So it's part of his sort of quest to become a noble person. It's like. You did cut a bloke's head off who wasn't even fucking fighting, mate. <laughs> you know, that's... I think so it's, it's, is... it's not to get a shrubbery, then? No. <laughs> not even two shrubberies, but a little path <laughs> right down the middle. <laughs> um, that is... But, yeah, that is really highly recommended. Definitely. It's uh, what they called um, A24. And so it's in that same sort of vein as stuff Everything like, you could hope for. Yeah, it's like the witch or the, the witch, lighthouse, yeah. one of those things mm. where it's just, you know, I, I would, I think there's probably an argument to be made with a lot of those films of style over substance, but the style is so much part of it. Yeah, that you're like, yeah. 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 See, you know, I generally have a problem with style over substance, but I enjoyed every minute of that film, and, and yeah, and, and yeah, on, didn't I? And, and recommended it to you guys because yeah, I just thought it was so beautiful that yeah, I just let it go really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and a great and a really good uh, and moderate, pretty small cast, but a really fucking good one. Like Dev, <laughs> Dev Patel's brilliant, and um, also, um, and also, did you spot that is um, Ralph Innocent was the knight who is the dad from The Witch? Yes, yeah, you know his voice as soon as you hear it. You can it. hear it in his voice. Yeah, definitely. I kept waiting for him to say O2, but he didn't. He decided O2. <laughs> No, that's Sean. That's Mr. Bean. <laughs> no, not, not Mr. Bean. No, but, but, but yeah, no, the uh, no, he's uh, he's the Gaviscon advert. Come on, lads. This lady needs her throat clearing, which yeah. sounds wrong. Yeah. But there Oops, we go. Inner props. Yeah, inner eight props. And finally, I have blasted through all nine episodes in three days of The Squid Game, as recommended. Oh. By- as recommended by a uh, friend of the show, Alex, and former guest, mm. Alex. Hey, Alex. Um, yeah, definitely. All I will say is, I, I think this is the, the best recommendation I can make, is watch it now, because literally loads of people are talking about it. It mm. will get more and more, and you want to you want to experience it before you've before. ruined it by dying. Yeah. What's this meme that keeps appearing online? Yeah. <laughs> there'll be one thing that comes out of it that someone will use and then it'll be like, oh, well, what, what is that from? Oh, it's from that squid game. Oh, right, they've just explained a major plot point. Oh, fuck it, I won't bother. Do bother before that mm. happens. Okay. And, certainly do, and certainly do it before there's like a shitty Western remake because it's a, <laughs> a South Korean show. Hmm. And it's got that sort of thing where you're like, this is going to get remade. They're going to miss mm. the fucking point the whole, spectacularly. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, and it will just be shite. So definitely, but yeah, watch the Squid Game. The premise is, is basically is that there's a group of people who owe lots of money and they end up involved in 
a sort of tournament of games. Uh, all the games are ones from childhood. Now, mm. they're all sort of games that were played in South Korea, but there's stuff like Tug of War. There's what they call Red Light, Green Light, which is uh, What's the Time, Mr. Wolf, yep. or mm. Grandma's Footsteps. Um, but yeah, basically, so you compete in these sort of playground games, uh, but if you lose, you're dead. There are armed guards who just blow your fucking brains out. Um, and so you've got this... So, got so this is, is it a, ga- a game show then? Is it? Or- it's no, 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 no. It, as as it goes on, it sort of becomes clear that it oh, is okay. an entertainment, right. but it's, it's it's not like say Blade, uh, not Blade Runner, uh, Running Man, Running Man, yeah, it's not okay. that sort of thing. Right. Where it's like, yeah, it's not TV. It's mm. the year is nineteen, it is two thousand and seven. <laughs> Reality shows are now murder. You know, it's not sort of that sort of thing. It's basically, yeah, we, it, it exists in that a unfolds. real world where basically, yeah, this is not right, what's going okay, on. Okay, right. Um, and But basically, yeah, it fi- the best way I can describe it is it's somewhere between The Prisoner and Battle Royale, where it's that sort of thing of a really fucking tense, like the sort of an action sequences and sort of people getting like mown down and sort of really sort of, you know, no, no shitting about violence. Mm. But for but within this world where you're all captive and you've all just been given numbers, so and basically yeah. So as they go through, obviously the numbers get whittled down. People start playing strategies, but mm. each game there's a turnaround in each game where basically it fucks with you. So it'll be like right, you've got to form a team, but I don't know what sort of team I need. Mm. Do I need people who can do this or you know? And so everyone mm. starts sort of like double thinking and rethinking and betraying yeah. each other or helping each other. And there's a real sort of lovely struggle in it of the very best and the very worst that people can be. Mm. And yeah, and it's just seriously, it's just so good. And like I say, just blaster it. it we, we did it in about three nights. Started mm. off, I, I was just watching it. And then by the end of the first episode, Claire was watching it with me. And that's how we've watched the rest of it. And um, yeah. And, but it's sort of, um, yeah, I think it's one of those things that just, it will also probably end up getting parodied mm-hmm. as soon as enough people have seen it. So it'll be one of those things where it's like in loads of fucking, it'll turn up in Rick and Morty or it'll turn up in The Simpsons or something like that. And yeah. Um, I, I saw this. Is it the most, Ever. It's, I think it's, it's, like it's certainly the most watched foreign language thing that's on uh, Netflix, okay. and it's approaching being the the mm. biggest thing that's seen on Netflix. <laughs> um, also, I mean, it, it you do get a satisfying plot line with it. It doesn't leave huge amounts dangling, or you know, it doesn't end on a massive fucking cliffhanger or anything. You get a resolution. Um, which is good. And also I understand that the guy who did it hasn't got a load loads of people are talking about the second series. I don't think he is has anything, any ideas in that direction. And to tell you the truth, I think it is one of those things that would be if it if they leave it as it stands now, it's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. All they can probably do is just not do as well. Yeah. Because it's that fucking good. So mm. yeah. Excellent. Um, I heartily recommend. I shall put that mm. on my watch list. Excellent. Fantastic. Um, right. So I also have watched a shit ton of stuff, so I'll try and keep it nice and brief. 
Um, so um, Shudder original, I believe it is. Um, Boys from County Hell. Have you heard mm, of this, Adam? No. Oh, right. Yeah, it's on Shudder. It's absolutely amazing. So it's a small town in uh, Ireland, uh, and it's got mm. a, a mound of rocks in it. And the, the ancient story is that there's a vampire <coughs> buried underneath this mound of rocks. But there's a new bypass going in, which has got to mm. go through it. So they get a load of the guys from the town who are road builders to basically excavate to get ready for this, the new road to go in. Uh, and they have to take down this mound of rocks and, yeah, vampires <sighs> come. Uh, oh, wow. And it is absolutely hilarious. It's so, cool. so good. Mm. It was one of those, it turned up and I was like, I'll try to original, I'll, I'll give it a go because some of their stuff's, you know, pretty solid. Um, yeah, and was just absolutely blown away by it. It was so good, so <laughs> good. That's definitely one for a rewatch for me, I think possibly in the next six months, so... Check that out if you get the opportunity. Um, I had a fantastic, I had one of those moments. I was going through DVDs on my shelves. That's quite uh, a lot. There, there is a, an awful lot there. Um, and I found one that was still in the cellophane. And it was Ooh. 1969's uh, Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, the Hammer film. Hey! Um, and I was. Where, where, where does that fit in the kind of. Is that towards the, the end? It's the fifth. Yeah. Fourth or fifth film in the Frankenstein series, I think. Um, but it was still in the cellophane. I've never watched it. Mm. It, it. I bought it so long ago. It was three quid from HMV on DVD, <laughs> which goes to show you how long ago I bought it. Um, and I thought, oh, it must be one I've seen, but I'm just in the mood for something in that horror vein, that hammer mm. horror vein. I'll chuck it on. Yeah, and it turned out I'd never seen it. So I was absolutely beside myself with excitement. Yeah, really good film. So I yeah. heartily uh, recommend that. Um, I then watched Something Wicked This Way Comes, the Ray Bradbury adaptation. Yes, mm. yeah. Uh, yeah, it, that was on our Halloween horror watch list. Jennifer put it on there. Yeah, a fantastic call. Um, Jonathan Pierce is in it uh, just being... Uh, Jonathan Price, sorry, just being amazing as yeah. he always is. Oh, he is, yeah. Yeah, he's such an underrated actor. That guy, he's so good. Um, he always plays. Did you a ever see the sitcom he did with Mark Gatiss? No, he did a sitcom called Clone, and he was the inventor of a clone. Um, and it was one of those things where it was it was a BBC One eight o'clock sitcom. So you get the sort of fact that it's not brilliant, but weirdly enough. Jonathan Price is fucking amazing in it. It is a bit sort of, it's one of those ones where it sort of veers into Frank Spencer. Oh, what are you doing? Please just leave the shop sometime. <laughs> but Jonathan Price is in it, and Mark Gates is really good because he's like the military liaison for this scientist. And he's just, he just comes in and is just a bit sinister about the whole affair. So, X, I'll definitely be checking that out. Um, yeah, something. Sorry, Something Wicked This Way Comes was one I'd never seen until about maybe five or six years ago when I came across it by accident. Um, yeah, and was totally <laughs> blown away and loved it as much the second time round. Um, Lords of Salem, we rewatched as part of our Halloween watch list. Um, yeah, I still love that film. 
It's it's one of those. Is that is that a Rob Zombie? It is a Rob Zombie. Yeah. yeah. It's one I've seen about four or five times, but for some reason, I always watch it, and then a week later, if you ask me anything about it, <laughs> I can remember two, maybe three scenes. There's just something I think because it's such a mm. a slow burn film, you kind of yeah. forget a lot of what goes on. So it's a fantastic rewatch film because every time you go. I'd forgotten how weird this is. I, I can mm, see why it yeah. didn't work for a lot of people, but I think it's truly brilliant. I think um, I think because that's that was when he was sort of trying things out, really. Exactly. And that was like his more sort of European Italian sort of style horror, like a sort of Mario Barber sort of thing. Oh, totally. Yeah. Rather than like a, a gore fest or sort of like you know, uh, just another slasher type. Killer on the run sort of stuff, yeah. yeah. So was that before or after uh, House of a Thousand Corpses? Oh, after House of a Thousand Corpses oh, okay. was his first film. Oh, and then okay. I think he did uh, Halloween. Mm. Then he did this? Or did oh, no, no, I he think did Devil's Rejects? No, he did De- yeah, mm. I think it might even be Devil Rejects, Devil's Rejects before Halloween. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. But yeah, they're def- yeah so it's House first. And then it's sort of Halloween and uh, Devil's Reject, probably which, whichever way around, not long after each other. I was going to say, they, they were locked. very close together. Yeah, and then he disappeared for a bit, and then he did this, and then he did Halloween 2. Yeah. Yeah. So, which was panned. Um, um, yeah. And rightly so. <laughs> oh, it's an absolute piece of shit. Um, a bit like the next film that I watched, uh, I then watched The Last Witch Hunter, uh, with Vin Diesel again, <laughs> just because I couldn't believe how bad it was the first time. It's, it's deal with that bad. It is. Uh, uh, to be fair, it's not an awful film, but I went in expecting a horror. And like you said, Chris, because I recently listened back to our Room 101 episode. I never mm. listened back to our episodes, but it just rolled over on uh, SoundCloud to let it go. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> It's the same thing, which I'm sure is how everybody listens to it. Nobody goes out there to listen to our episode. Couldn't Um, get to the phone in time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's got that same, it's an action film with witches, ultimately. Uh, So it's a good action film. It's it's, it's Vin Diesel, really, but instead of in a Mm. car, he's... uh, But actually, (laughs) he does does drive an Aston Martin in it, so he is still kind of... Oh, for fuck's sake. I, mind you, I suppose last of the witch hunters, because I was going witch hunt, it's got to be, I was expecting it to be dressed up like Black Adder the second. You know? <laughs> no, so um, so apparently this is based on a Dungeons and Dragons game. Because he's a oh, massive, right, okay. he's a massive D and D player. Like I've heard yeah. I heard it the first time and I was like, that's dog shit but i've heard it so many times now that vin diesel is massively into D D that it must be true uh yeah and apparently this is based on a quest or something that he did at some point um yeah and it, mm. it, it i mean it's it's possible it's entertaining it's got uh one of the girls from game of thrones in it uh you know the red-headed girl from the wildlings She's mm. kind, oh, of, yes. kind yeah. of second fiddle um, love interest in e- it. Egret. Egret, yes. Um, oh, Rose she's, Leslie, yeah. She's outstanding in it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're in the mood for an action film rather than a horror film, it's it'll pass the time. Um, and the last thing I watch, which will be very quick to cover because I covered it, I, I watched it on the Saturday 
when we were going to podcast and I was too ill, so it got postponed. Um, so <coughs> I remember nothing about it, but I've just got my notes here. So I watched the Star Wars Lego uh, Terrifying Tales, and mm. I've got written down The Lost Boys, Halloween, fucking brilliant. I don't remember watching it, but I did watch <laughs> it, and those are the notes I made. So, yeah, so go and watch it, because apparently I thought it was really good. But mm. again... Well, um- and as we say, we'll we'll be uh, looking to get a Moss Eisley out on that as well. Mm. Uh, I'd love know. to hear you guys cover that. We need well, we need a Halloween episode. Absolutely, you know? Moss Eisley Halloween episode. It's either that or it's just going through old photos of when Chris went as the Emperor to one of your parties. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah, I remember that. Uh, that I don't remember the party. Long time ago. I remember seeing photos. Yeah. Of that's why you take so many photos at your parties. Yeah. Literally the only memories you have. Yeah, most of the time, unfortunately so. I, <laughs> the, the thing is, when you, when you have a party and you say, right, everyone round at seven, you have to start getting ready for that party at like midday. And you have to start getting in the party mood at midday, which means you have to start drinking at midday. So by the time everyone turns up at seven o'clock, I'm generally arsehole. So, again... I don't have a problem. I'm just very, very social. You're, you're merry. Yeah, it's fine. It's a party. You're allowed. It's, it's when you oh, do absolutely. it on a weekday and you're supposed to be going to work. That's when there's It's when party. you have a party every day, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, so, when you, it's, when you take, it's when you take your party in a hidden bottle <laughs> into the toilet to work <laughs> and have your own cubicle party. Yeah. It's when you don't worry about going to the toilets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, Christ. Pissed himself again. Right. Before I get myself into a sticky situation, let's move on to this evening's main event. So, uh, 1999's The Blair Witch Project. I assume that this is something you saw previously, Chris. It is, yes. Although, I've got an interesting story about that. Oh, <laughs> go on. I'll let you lead us off then. I'm- it may be that I jump around a bit because this this was somewhat what I was expecting and somewhat not, right? So I watched it at the cinema. I remember all of the excitement around it, all of the, I'd say, mm. hype, definitely. Yeah, um, I didn't, I, yeah, I don't think I'd seen uh, a found footage before that. I, you you may point some one. out. Right, okay. Now, I didn't know if it was like the first one or the first one that was big enough for everyone to talk about. I mean, it's possible there were some before that just no one ever heard of. I don't know, but... There, is, uh, there were some before, but this basically okay. is was what the only cinema release or major oh, yeah, release? It was, stuff, yeah. it was stuff like... Uh, the last broadcast, it, I seem to remember you lending me, yeah, Adam, which uh, was like a TV mm, thing, very similar. Mm. Uh, okay. who at one point were looking to sue the Blair Witch because they felt there was a <laughs> right. um, that had been taken, uh, yeah, correlation there. Um, and yeah. uh, Cannibal Holocaust is a found mm. footage film. Mm. Not, and, not heard of that. All oh, right, there's a bit classic, watch the, it. the classic 70s okay. uh, <laughs> cannibal film, but yeah, mm. that, that's found footage, and it's sort of and that's done in an interesting way where it's like the person presents their footage. And then they find the bits he cut out. Mm. And it's like, oh, right. So that just changes everything we've seen <laughs> in terms. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, and it's that's potentially interesting idea. That's a, is it a, I mean, it's a smart yeah. thing. And, but I mean, it is a fucking grueling watch, but it's, yeah. yeah. 
but I think that um, so, but definitely Blair Witch is what launches it as okay. What I would call a horror genre. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's always right. used for yeah. horror kind of thing. But yeah. Well, then, yeah. No, that, but that's no, that's interesting, right? Right. So yeah. So I remember watching it, but I've definitely struggled with the idea of watching something that is meant to be kind of real in a cinema with lots of people. Like mm. so for some films that doesn't seem to matter. For this one, it just really I struggled to get past that. Now I definitely remembered enjoying the film. Um just it just didn't seem to to uh you know combine properly there, right? Mm. But what I thought was at the end it became crazy right so i sort of remembered the witch being there and lots of blood all up the walls and gore and she saw someone half you know uh you know in a serious mess and then turned around and it all went to chaos and of course watching it this time it it doesn't happen so i was like where have i got this from and I must I sort of remembered it as being, yeah, a good film. I wouldn't have rushed back to watch it. Um, but what I did think it was I still did actually enjoy watching it. So mm. like I kind of I, th- I there was one other thing, right? So I was thinking, is this just a cheap a, a way to make a cheap, easy to make film and make a lot of money from it? I think it's, it's like became Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I so so I was like, well, how much work has actually gone into it compared to oh. another film that mm. doesn't follow? So yeah, it was like I cannot actually tell, you know. But it, overall, I remember thinking, yeah, this is good. I like mm. it. It didn't. It definitely didn't feel like horror. It was almost more mystery to me. I guess. Yeah, and, I know what you mean. Yeah, and but in my head, I remember it's been horror. Watching it again, again, it's not. It's not, um, yeah. Well, I guess it's it's psychological thriller. I would have said more yes. because again, it's so much about, and, and that really is fascinating, right? So imagine you actually did what they did, and you're there. Now they didn't fully trust each other. It's like they didn't really know each other that well, and they all mm. had slightly different agendas, and mm. that sort of came out, you know, as it progresses, where they're accusing each other of the different failing yeah. so she's like they're saying you're just obsessed with the doc- documentary the other guy was yeah sure i'll film it but you know i'm i'm half pretending i'm really good at this and basically i've not even looked at the the lens to know what numbers are on it and you know yeah it's like um and the other guy was just uh moaning quite a lot for a lot of it but um yeah. but yeah and, and then and, and so as things start to go wrong yeah it was too much like to go wrong you're like yeah, well, but you, you, you know, how do you stay calm in that situation? And when you start to think like something is happening, you know, and like, and mm. now, Alden, are they, are they on my side or not? And then, of course, when you find out the guy has kicked the map into the creek, and yeah. it, it does, it does, you know, escalate well at that point. Because how would you react? And, and they're just trying to rationalise it. She's saying like, oh, we're in America, you know, the um, the we've cut down most of the forest. It's like, oh, I think yeah. probably you could still get lost for a while, but you know, it's like, yeah, just all that, so all those thoughts that you you would be going through, and yeah, and just trying to think, are we going to get out of this? Like, how bad is this? You know, it's like mm. that is fascinating. 
Well, because um, I mean, actually, I mean, certainly to that point, I can't remember what they call. Is it the missing four one one or the missing four three one? Which is yeah, it's something like that, isn't it? And it's basically it's the number of people who've gone missing in mm-hmm. national parks since they started taking records, which was like the seventies. All right, yeah, and yeah, so it's very possible to get it's, lost. Yeah, and, and rather rather unfortunately, it's one of those things where it's like real life real life disappearances that have unfortunately been co-opted into there's a lot of people who it's like i let's let's put it this way i would love bigfoot to be real Hmm. so far not looking likely and if i had someone in my family go missing i think i would be extremely annoyed by some fat dumpy prick in a baseball cap going on about yeah it was definitely a bigfoot came and took them yeah Yeah. you know so you know from that point but but yeah but also i mean when because me and lee we saw we we saw two versions of this Mm. um okay because we had we had a friend who worked in uh an editing place and they had a bootleg copy which apparently wasn't Mm. was doing the rounds of okay. like the, the sort of work print. <laughs> now the difference is, is that the work print was about two hours. Yeah, I was going to say like it was an hour and forty-five plus. Yeah, it was. It was sort of just under, wasn't it? Yeah. But basically, so it was longer. You spent more time with sort of ridiculous stuff like the shopping and messing about in the hotel room, and it was all well, like, lo- actually- lots of mundane. Yeah. But it was but yeah, all stuff okay. that actually helped in a yeah, weird way because yeah. you really got mm-hmm. them. Yes. And, actually, and, and the one thing that it did bring up was how well they were getting on mm-hmm. until shit hits the fans. Okay. Yeah. Go wrong and stuff like that. Um, oh, wait, wait. Enough, did, you, did you see this before the cinema then? Yes. yes, 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 yes did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It hadn't even come out right. over here. Yeah. This was the sort of period where it wouldn't necessarily be a simultane- like an international yeah. simultaneous release. So yeah, we um, UK got it after uh, America, and mm. so we saw it. Yeah, so we saw this this bootleg and on videotape. And- yeah, right, no, no, yeah, that's funny. I, I said um, to Shelley, like I was like, uh, I think that would have added a lot to it if a mate had brought it round on a yeah. videotape. I'd be like, oh, you know, that's that feels Oddly a little enough, bit more authentic. Oddly enough, it's the best way in, in a yeah. weird way. The best way to do it, if you could, is because we, yeah. So, and it was the classic thing where it was like, so he brought it out on a tape, and I think you or Dean got it to me, Lee, mm. because I had the set up to copy the tape. Mm. That's right. So I'd borrowed and, it and I had it overnight because yeah. there were so many people waiting. It was like. I can lend it to you, but I need it back tomorrow because there's 15 other yeah. people waiting for it. Yeah. So we copied it, and then we all we all gathered around uh, gathered around your mums and watched it, didn't we? We did. And we all just sat there one sunny day with all the curtains closed, and we watched the two-hour. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing that was I have subsequently discovered was one of the refilmed elements because when this got picked up, they got like they were doing it independently. When it got picked up. They got a bit more cash to do a couple of extra bits. One of those bits was the bloke saying about, oh, yeah, Rustin Parr used to make a child stand face into the corner Mm. and then murdered another child. So 
we didn't see that version. We didn't yeah. see that explanation in the thing. Okay. So that ending was fucking out there. Yeah. Like, Hang on, what's he, is he having a piss? Oh, right. Okay, that is, right. It's, it's finished. Oh, okay. And yeah. And actually the version we had also, they were listening to music in the car that they couldn't afford. Yeah, so they opened they, up yeah. something else on it. Yeah, because mm. I think it was, like, it was like the animals. Um, the, the, other, yeah. the other thing I remember from it is because everybody who saw it at the cinema or, or on the, the official release um, was saying, they were all saying the same thing. They were like, why didn't somebody just climb a tree and look for the road? And I was like, they did that. We saw like mm. Josh climbed yeah. a tree and all you could see was <laughs> yes. trees in every direction. Was, trees, yeah. But they'd edited that bit out of the final yeah. release. So when people were going, why didn't they do that? I was like, they did do that. I saw them. I see, definitely mm. did. And and weirdly enough, it does, I still think it does answer that question of the classic, oh, why would they still be filming? And it's like, well, they're making a documentary and they now probably, you know, even, even as it's going tits up, in the back of your head, you're probably actually thinking, well, now we've got a documentary about the time we got lost in the woods yeah, yeah. and how we interacted and everything else mm. like that. And so I think it's un- I think that it's understandable. And that was also mm. one thing I meant to mention about the Squid Game is at one point there is a bit in the Squid Game, comes very early on, where it explains, why is everyone still doing this? <laughs> because... You- because it's the it's the thing that always happens. Is the thing that people always say about found footage movies. Why are you still film? Cloverfield got it a lot, right? Because I think that they didn't ha- actually they didn't address that mm. as a as a sort of thing of why someone would still be doing that. I, and I mean, even, what one... even in this, they do have the lovely line about oh, we've got enough batteries to light a country. Yes, for a yeah. So yeah. why would you not just keep filming? Mm. Um, well, and, and yeah, and it stops you from saying, "Well, they'd run out of batteries." And it's like, yeah, no, they've got tons example, of batteries. But, but one thing I really liked was that she, well, when when uh, Mike, I think it was, took the camera, and he was like, "Oh, I see why you're doing this. It's because it puts a filter across yeah. reality." And it's like, actually, yeah, fair enough. It probably would have that effect. Well, so actually, that, that seemed a, like a good. It's a quote from Tom Sabini. Mm, um, okay. Tom Savini was in nice. Vietnam, but mm. he was a he was a army photographer, and he uh, said, and yeah. that's where he got all because obviously yeah. like all the makeup he saw stuff, a lot of the real. He saw a lot of bodies. Yeah, yeah. So he was collating in his head. Mm. That's why all his creations, he like was living dead stuff, especially like Day of the Dead and stuff like that. Yeah. All the bodies are really horrible because yeah. he's seen it firsthand. But as he said, by by the fact he was taking photographs of it, he got a separation, mm. which he said he thinks helped him keep his head. Keep sane, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because otherwise he would just be yeah. studying corpses <laughs> and waiting to become one. Yeah. Whereas this sort of, and You've yeah. You've got a purpose uh, to it. That, yeah. yeah. Mm. So um, I do, no, I agree with you. I think they do that. That's a nice touch mm. to it as well, that they do that, yeah. Uh, one thing I did want to call back to. So the reason that it was something that Chris said earlier about uh, about having it on VHS and having that mm. making mm. it feel more like something that wasn't on the big screen, but that you'd just been handed, that you'd sort of found, as it were. Um, mm. So the reason Chris Jones wanted to be on the show this evening, um, he was saying, so he actually worked in a cinema 
um, mm-hmm. in Cambridge at the time because he was at university. Uh, and he was saying, obviously, there was all the buzz going around, but this was like mm. pre-internet. So the buzz that you got was the word of the word of the word. Um, mm. Yeah, and he was saying a lot of the people at the cinema that he worked at, when the film came in, they they had heard that that was what it was. Like, this was some found footage, and they were under yeah. the impression that it was a real thing. And he was saying there was a lot of confusion amongst the viewers yeah. as to, to, like, how genuine this actually was. Yeah. Uh, in, at certain points in America, uh, they were sort of picketing places and the usual sort of general fucking mob of twats that they have, you know, that are on news things saying, well, mm-hmm. the thing is with Dungeons and Dragons is that obviously it's a gateway <laughs> dread to Satan yeah. and heroin and bum sex. <laughs> and, and all those idiots were like, they're now making us watch a snuff movie. And yeah. it's like, no, but, but, and this is the thing, and this was the beauty of it. And I remember it at the time because it, it wasn't pre-internet. It was the early days of internet. Mm. And the buzz that was going around, they did some, re- and basically it's, I don't think this could be recreated now in terms of the sensation that they caused before you even saw the film. Yeah. Because I, I really would like to know how the Blair Witch stands up for kids now who know it's a movie and it's just like, oh, does it play out as just like, oh, this is just like a drama for like people not getting on for an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, but what what they've done is and what they built up is because because like they, I mean, basically, so like the, the so the two directors, like writers and directors, Daniel uh, uh, Mirick and Eduardo Sanchez, mm. they had set up a website Talking about the Blair Witch as if I it think was a I remember real, this. Yeah, yeah, as if it was a real folklore tale. Now mm. the thing is, is nowadays if you try to do that online, it's you've got like it's obvious users who will turn around and just say, No, that's bullshit, and here's why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then that but then it wasn't would have had so more authenticity. Yeah. Well, oddly enough, no, I think it was because that fact checking wasn't there and it wasn't deemed necessary in a weird way because it was the early days of the internet and all it was mm. was nerds and child pornographers they were the only people using the internet so you know according um, to the daily mail they still are yeah <laughs> but um oh no i think they still are there but the rest of us have joined them you know <laughs> uh, um what, they're very what, the daily mail early, early adopters <laughs> let's, let's call them that uh, you know oh no, that's just wrong but anyway <laughs> There was a, a long train of thought there. I'm cutting it there. Um, <laughs> but um, um, but so, yeah, so they'd set up this website and basically it was much in the same way as like, you know, it'd be like a GeoCities yeah, website yeah. with like swirly mm. bits and green on black Starfield pages and stuff like that. And But it'd be, it look, wouldn't look any different to the guy who'd done his local... Cryptid, mm. like a Mothman website, yeah. or a Bigfoot website, because at the time there wasn't anything commercially happening, or you know, and certainly no one of an age to be actually used utilizing the tool for monetary gain in the other than the shopping, if you see yeah. what I mean. Like, but but like you know, there wasn't the tourist board probably didn't give a fuck about having a, a website until more and more people are online. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so, like, this is 99. I think when when is the internet is like online from 92 or 95 or something like that? It's, it's, uh, so, I think I think Google might come at 94. Yeah. I, I think so I switched from Yahoo to Google around then. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. So we're, to, you know, and I think that people were still on CompuServe. People were still on dial-up. Mm. You know, it's 1999. Could, so you yeah, no, get, yeah, CompuServe, yeah, that's yeah. that could be. So it might have been 96. I was thinking of yeah. Google, but yeah, so, something like that. Mm. So, so you're all going so back. You you're all going back pre-me. I didn't know the internet oh, okay. was a thing until uh, I moved in with Chris, which was in about uh, 2005. Yes. But then this is the point: yeah. is you you now think of how ubiquitous it is in your life, mm. and it was. At that point, when you moved in with Chris in 2000-whatever, um, it was something that you could, as, as a person who likes anything, you could get by without the internet. I you didn't, didn't need it when, for I remember Chris, Chris said to me, you, if you move in, you need to buy a computer. I've got a really <laughs> good one here you can buy from me. And I was like, I don't want to write shit. I thought it was for rock. I, was, I thought it was a modern typewriter. It's like a typewriter. I literally yeah. had no fucking idea about. And you moved in a day there. later. You were like, I need one of those. Yeah. <laughs> and then within three weeks, you had me stripping it down and putting yeah. a DVD player in it, and mm. yeah, buying speakers. And I was suddenly uh, like, yeah. Where has this been all my life? Like I had no idea. But that, <laughs> you, that was what you were like a for a lot of people. It was just, you know, that's, that's the thing. It hadn't really penetrated. Uh, the mainstream, thank you. <laughs> really the main... She's not that ill, bless her. No, no, never that ill. Um, but it hadn't really sort of like, you know, and he, actually there's an interesting statistic that I saw on one of those BBC, oh, we're going to live like it's 1983, and then tomorrow we'll live like it's 1984 shows, is apparently when computers first came out, the, the users were predominantly men. Mm. because it was considered a, for want of a better word, a calculator or an engineering but wait, tool. But was, was, was that when they came out for sort of home use? Because yeah, when they were used use. in sort of scientific, in the war, in you know, oh, the yeah, Second no, World no, War, no, then, no, then no, that was no. women because women were the ones who typed. So oh, men yeah. were like, I'm not doing that typing. You know. Well, at the, at the birth of fucking, at the birth of computers, yeah, you've got Charles Babbage, but you've got Ada Lovelace. Mm, yeah, yeah. Without her maths, he's fucked. Yeah. So, you know, but... Didn't she love the, like, the uh, Deep Throat movies? Uh, so, no, don't worry. No, that's Little Lovelace. A <laughs> uh, great, Close. great, great friend. But, um, hashtag never seen it, just to be a... <laughs> hashtag, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, so, but, yeah, when home computers came out, predominantly mm. men bought them because it was like, I can have uh, I can have a list of all my outgoings. <laughs> yeah. You know, is the slightly, I don't know, sort of on the spectrum end of mm. m- male sort of idea. That I can have, look, here's a list. <laughs> and when we look at this list, we'll see exactly. It's, it's, it's what's his name? It's uh, Terry Thomas in uh, uh, Vault of Horror. <laughs> you know, it's like, and here you tick it off. And when you've got three ticks, you then buy them more. And it's, yeah, that's what the computers were for. And then as the internet came out, that's when women became interested in having computers in the home because they became a communication device. Mm, mm. And this is the thing, is it's like, at, at the time, in 1999, it was where people got information, but it was supplementary to most people's lives. It wasn't where you got all your information. And curiously enough, 
it meant that there was a greater, uh, oddly enough, there was a greater sort of trust in the internet mm. because people were just putting stuff on there that was like, you know, it'd just be, I don't know, fan sites or, mm. you know, or like I say, like, you know, some blogger talking about the Loch Ness Monster or something like that, you know. And so it oddly had much more potency than this website and the website had existed for longer than the movie mm. so it was something you could go and find and other interesting things they did that they could definitely not do now i mean so i'll go i'll go into like how they sort of came up with it is they were sort of brainstorming about what what had been the most effective horror things they'd watched as kids and realised that actually the things they were talking about most were sort of documentaries. Mm. So stuff like um, like In Search Of or Chariots of the Gods and stuff like that, where because they're presented in a real form, it makes it scarier. Because it's like, it's not Dracula, this is a news report about Dracula. Mm. you know that's and so it had that kind of feeling and originally they were going to do the Blair Witch as a in that documentary style which is where uh Curse of the Blair Witch Curse, comes from yeah. which mm. is the which was a documentary which actually went on uh, was broadcast on the sci-fi channel I think three or four days before it got released at the cinema mm. but again was just presented as a documentary it wasn't presented as Here's the trailer for this new film, yeah. and so it kept so muddying the waters. Yeah. It so kept clever. muddying the waters about this sort of thing because you watch that that documentary is fucking perfect. Yeah, because mm. uh, it's yeah. exactly the slightly cheap documentary yeah. that you would see on Channel Five or you'd pick up on DVD in the pound shop. Yeah, where well, all of all of the actors in it were perfect. Yeah, and, just... and it, yeah, and they just do it so well and. Mm. The other thing that came up in my head was like, there's the concept now of like hauntology and also sort of like when people are doing like grindhouse movies and it's like, right, we'll put the noise on there and we'll put glaring colours in and everyone will be dressed like it's the 70s. Do you know what I mean? They, they do their damnedest to make it look as accurate as possible. It's look around you. Yeah. Where it looks so much like a school's uh, TV uh, programme for school's pro uh, TV show that if you just put it on in the background, that's what people think you're watching on opening yeah. Yeah. If you're not concentrating, it's just that. And similarly, if you're not concentrating, this is just one of one of billions of doc cheap documentaries that turn up on Bravo and the Sci-Fi Channel and all these sort of places at the time. Mm. And and but the thing I loved was the bit with Rust in Part, like the serial killer stuff. My God, that feels like footage from yeah. like the 1940s, where it's that sort of like really high contrast black and white and also just like and is that why you did that yes and did you see ghosts no i heard a voice and do, do you know what i mean like these they're not a celebrity they're ed Gein. do you know what i mean yeah. they're like basic but it's like that works in the um in the curse of blair witch and in blair <coughs> witch like everybody's mm. acting in this feels mm so real you know the people yeah, who are interviewing yeah. and everything is just absolutely flawless there's nobody mm. in either of them that you know that kind of makes you feel like it's over the it top doesn't fit or, or yeah hard. no it all it seems just is so gel. solid yeah mm. well and and actually the company's called Haxon. 
their film company is Haxham Films. Nice. Because of the because of the documentary Haxham, which was one of the ones they were talking about. Mm. I think I think the other one they said about was Legends of uh, the Legend of Boggy Creek, which again is presented as a documentary. Yeah. Um, when that 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 film, so so they were sort of getting this idea that they'll do like a documentary or something. So they've come up with this mythology about the Blair Witch, which is so perfect. And like you get all those woodcuts and various mm. different, you know, they went to town on that. And this was all stuff that ended up on the website. They released, mm. uh, after the film came out, they released a thing called the Blair Witch Dossier, which was fucking brilliant. I wish I still had it, but it was like, basically it was a book and it was the case notes of the detective who was looking for Heather Donahue. Mm. Like her family had hired a detective and it was like his case file of here's the legend of the Blair Witch, here's this about Rustin Parr, here's what we found here, uh, here's what these people said, and so on and so forth. And it's like, like really, and again, presented as absolutely real. So I mean, this, at this point, it's, it's kind of one of the, it seems like one of the best meta um, yeah. immersive experiences, or, you know, like, yeah, outside of the film, everything it, added to it. Yeah, it blew my mind that I hadn't seen this before until Adam said, mm. look, in the run-up, you need to watch this. Um, yeah. yeah, and I just wish... It didn't get shown it. over here, unfortunately. It even sets up how the the footage was found, and it mm. just yeah. makes everything feel so yeah. convincing and genuine. It's absolutely amazing. Because I think, I mean, that's the only bit of it where you have to make a leap, is the idea that the families would hand the footage over to this company to make... Mm. Or to commercially release the film. Like you say, weirdly enough, the best way you could make this film is if you could have just distributed it on video mm. and told people, yeah. oh, yeah, we've got this footage of this, like, this happened. Now yeah. you could possibly do it as, like, YouTube. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Where it would just be, like, because people put, I mean, there's plenty of fucking true crime, like, mm. 911 calls and interviews with murderers in the cell and stuff like that. It's all over the fucking place. So, you know, that's possibly the way you could do it. Although, as I say, I think the only trouble is that the suspension of disbelief where you people didn't know how to fact check online. Mm. Unfortunately, well, they arguably still, still don't. don't. Yeah. I know, people still don't. And that's why the world is shit. Yeah. You know, literally descending into an anus of hell. So, because no one could actually fucking do tell, two more clicks to make true. sure that yeah. yeah but it works so much to the advantage of these guys mm. and so they'd sort of set this out they set up the website and then they were talking to a guy who was they were at film school with he was a younger guy called greg hale who ended up being one of the producers he'd been in the army and he was put on he told them about he was put on a one-week escape and evasion course and basically, what they would do is a small group were left in like a uh, small group were left in the woods, no food or water. They were given uh, a map and locations they had to reach to get further instructions. Mm. And this went on, I think this was like for about, so basically, they went through a week like this. And by which time they could only move at night as well. That was the other instruction. So by the time they got round to like the end of the week, they were 
half-starved, knackered, and just completely, you know, they were just completely in a state. Yeah. And then they were ambushed by other army guys who then took them off for a faux interrogation, uh, like a prisoner of war camp. Yeah. So like it was like bags on the edge, dragged in, mm. you know, handcuffed, stuck in a chair. Right, give me, you know, you've only got to give name, rank and serial number or whatever like that. And he said it was like one of the most like emotionally yeah. real responses that he ever had because it was yeah. like, because he'd got to such a state that they were like, oh, you know, you will react how you're meant to react mm. because this is for real. And so, rather disturbingly, this gave them the idea of how they would make the movie. Yeah. So they 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 put they put feelers out for, for actors, and they got the three actors. They got um, uh, like Heather, Josh, and Mike, uh, which Heather Donahue, Joshua Leonard, and Michael C. Williams. Um, yeah, they got they they got them. They gave them. They basically told them, oh, we're going to make this film. And what we're going to do is to get a real reaction from you, we'll send you out in character with GPS, uh, mm. like with a GPS tracker. You follow the GPS tracker and we will drop off food and um, like instructions for the next day's filming. So it'd be like, Basically, so the dialogue would be improvised. You had like they would be given a through line, right? Right. Today you do this. Uh, you find you can't get here. You have an argument or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. And so they did that. And so basically they, and then they gave them this document again, presenting to them that although that they knew the film was fictitious, but that the Blair, which was a real legend, so they kind of had that belief that the Blair, which was a true thing that they were making a film about. So they go out, so they send them out into the woods and they've got like these GPS trackers and they go and pitch their tents. And basically they had, they had like safe words to come out of character if they needed to. Okay. And they had, and they had walkie talkies. They weren't abandoned. Yeah. But essentially it's still the fil- yeah, pretty the full film on. Make- yeah. The filmmakers ha- held back. Mm. So everything you see and everything you hear was mm. those three on their own in the woods with cameras. Mm. And so they would get, like I say, they would get instructions, but other than that, and actually what they made, the actors themselves made the decision to remain in character all the time yeah, to try and get the sort of veracity of it going. And like I say, mm. with the arm, with the army thing, you know, they, you know, um, they'd sort of tweaked, oh, well, it will make you, you know, you, you literally are living it. So you mm. are, you've got that discomfort plus you're, you know, you're doing this and everything. So they instructed them how to use the equipment, like the cameras and the boom stuff for Mike, obviously. Um, and they would just film their process as they were going through. Um, on the instructions they would leave, they would give, they would separate instructions. So people were given... Uh, diff- different different things. Yeah. For example, Mike was told to destroy the map. Yeah. But only tell the others when he judged it dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. 
like a, a dramatic point within <laughs> the thing. Also, they were leaving less food every day. Mm. So everyone was beginning getting to get a rapid bit, and yeah. getting undernourished and getting a bit tense and everything else like that. That was one of the things then, that really got me on this was that mm. it's that moment of release when he suddenly goes, I found a pack of smokes at the back of my bag. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, like that. Like, that alone would make yeah, it would make you tetchy mad, yeah. and aggy and yeah. on top of everything. Yeah. And you say it's those mm. little things that they put in there. That yeah. You just go, yeah. Oh God, yeah. The discomfort of that on top of mm-hmm. everything else. And this is and this is the thing that may well have been him genuinely finding yeah. a packet yeah. of bags yeah. in the bottom of the cup, have not had them for fucking three nights. Mm. At which point, everyone's getting yeah, like you say, everyone's getting fucking super aggy. As they, and so as they're asleep, the crew would then come in, arrange like for example the piles of stones or the stick men or stuff like that around. Mm. and also fuck with them so they were playing like the sounds of children's voices Mm. or they were whacking sticks out in the woods and stuff like that to freak with them and and none of that had been told to them like they, they said we will do stuff in the night but they hadn't told them what and so like for example when someone actually grabs the tent Mm they really shit themselves because it was so, you know, that wasn't expected. They weren't waiting on it or anything else like that. They didn't even know that that was going to sort of happen or anything else like that. See, like, even if you, even if you're told that you are safe, no matter what's going to happen, right. That's, that's, that's just, that's a, right. But after going through all of that, you really would be on edge, like no matter what, you know, yeah. If you're tired, you're not eating mm. properly. You've been there, but like it would really have an effect. So and you're you're in the woods as well. Like yeah, although yeah. Saying, it's a controlled environment. <laughs> yeah, it's, it it's would not a feel certainly like controlled environment. Yeah. There's still animals and shit out there. Yeah, like, anything could mm. still happen that's out of the control of the half a dozen mm. people who are you know watching you from a mile away. Like yeah, yeah. I mean that's I think that's one of my favourite lines in it is when it's like well that's either something supernatural or that's someone who's come out at 3am to dick with us in the woods. Either way, I don't want to know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, either way, I don't want to mess with that. And it's like, that's a very fucking true point. You know, because it's like, at this point, yeah, it's not just someone going for a stroll. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone's out in these woods, they're probably not. <laughs> they're up to something they're probably, nefarious. They're best, they're best to be worried about. Treat them with caution. That's probably the best way of putting it. So, yeah. So, and then here's the weird fucking thing as well that they did, which again is something that you couldn't necessarily do. Once they'd finished, they said to them, right, can you not appear publicly? Mm. So don't do red carpet stuff. We Mm. won't do interviews about this film or any of that publicity sort of stuff. And it was an independent film. So it wouldn't necessarily, you know, it wasn't like they were going to do the fucking chat show circuit or something like that. Yeah. But it added still it's another layer. Yeah. Get this. All three of them on IMDb were listed as missing presumed dead. (laughs) Wow. So so if someone someone had gone looking, Mm. they'd be like, so is this fictional or is this not? And it really, yeah, that blurred line is what mm. created such a fucking 
heat about the film. I mean, the weirdest thing is that mostly the main problem that people seem to get with it was motion sickness. Because yeah, again, I okay. think it was something people weren't used to handheld yeah. cameras and yeah. stuff like that. So there were reports of people having to leave early, but it was actually people who just had like travel nausea, essentially. I say I am. Um, so I did see this on the big screen when it came out. Um, and I, I know you guys will understand this. So this was the last film ever shown at the ABC in Romford, uh, yeah. which was always referred to as the flea pit. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it, I, I went on the last day. They were showing the film twice. There was a matinee and then there was an evening showing. And I went to mm. the matinee showing. Um, and by that point, of course, all the staff know after 10 o'clock tonight, you're all jobless. This cinema is being torn mm. out and turned into something mm. else. So it was just an absolute mess. There were seats missing. And all, <laughs> like it was an absolute state. This, so I was in this dilapidated, yeah. torn apart cinema yeah. watching that it. That adds to it. Um, yeah, and it, it really did add to like, I remember this mm. film genuinely. I, I said to Adam, to when uh, we had the, the pirate copy, that mm. Adam and Dean came over. So my parents had gone on holiday. I was house-sitting for them. Mm. Dean mm. and Adam had come over and we watched the film and then they left. Um, and I just remember sitting on the sofa afterwards just to age this film. I was listening to uh, the first Slipknot album, which I've not <laughs> heard a lot. And I remember sitting down and listening to that, trying to put this film out of my mind because it vaguely <laughs> freaks me out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just remember sitting there, and it was it was one of the few times in the last, you know, after the after the age of fifteen, maybe that a film mm. genuinely left me feeling really cold and really uncomfortable. So mm. I, I mean, it totally worked for me, a hundred percent. Well, it's something we've talked about a few times on this, where it's that idea that you do and it's not the be all and end all but you do get a power in films when people have for want of a better expression suffered for their art yeah it, it's the same reason why the exorcist is powerful is it because it's a powerful story or is it because everyone was fucking on a knife's edge because um uh what's his name bloody uh i can't think of the fucking director's name but william peter blay uh uh, no, uh, Friedkin. William Friedkin. William Friedkin. Yeah. yeah, that's the trouble. Is because there's two Williams in those bloody names. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, that William Friedkin was a fucking nutcase. He was setting off guns and heat and freezing them to death and fucking breaking people's legs and shit like that. Yeah. And you're like, punching yeah, a priest. Punching a priest. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that's the level to which we get this movie made. I will punch a priest. <laughs> You know what? And I would take a punch in the face for a film that people are still talking about 50 years mm. later. I have no problem with that. But I'm taking I, a punch I think, for a lot less. <laughs> and I think, but I think that would be, I think that is something that definitely bleeds out. It's because you, you get how fucked off they are. Yeah. And actually, and this was the thing as well, is uh, the sort of the way that they'd worked it out in terms of like the directors had worked it out in terms of characters was meant to be that Heather and Mike would be at odds and mm. Josh would be the peacemaker because obviously he's the massive stoner um, and but genuinely as they were sort of working in character and just, it was Heather and Josh who would fucking argue all the time Yeah, mm. and you see it in the film but apparently they cut loads out because it was like 
if we keep this in as well as the footage of Mike and her going at it, it just looks like these two are ganging up on her. Mm. And But genuinely, if you think about it, they are still having fucking blazing rows in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. On like very little sleep, damp, no fags. And mm. yeah. And yeah. it's, See, and, I, you know, I, it, I totally get that. I, I went camping mm. a few months ago. Um, I won't give away too many stories of what I got up to. Uh, uh, and what an obnoxious prick I was, but I hate camping <laughs> to the point where I was that person. Like we got there and I, I broke my tent before I put it up. Then we couldn't mm. find anywhere to have dinner. And I was just a fucking horrible human being. For and, and this is still in like, you know, yeah. proper civilization. Yeah, say, <laughs> we could have just waited till the next day when we were sober and gotten in the car and driven somewhere. Like yeah. it was just, I was, Oh, camping just puts you in a bad mood. Like you say, you you can't just go away. It's it so much. Yeah, to, if to you mess can't around get with. anything to eat, you can't get anything mm. to eat. Yeah. It, yeah, it's just a horrible situation to be in. Why do mm. people go camping? But but, but and, and also if you hate each other, yeah. But if you start winding each other up a bit deliberately as well, like the one of the um, scenes was where she gets her feet wet, and the way that they are subtly. Sort of passively aggressively, kind of, yeah, you know, yeah, like, it's like, it, oh, it's a bit, is it, brilliant, oh no, like, it's just a joke, yeah, yeah, but no, we are being, it is actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually, I mean, that was the thing, apparently, at one point, the one time that like the filmmakers actually stepped in was because Heather and Josh were rowing so fucking much mm. that they were like, this no, is... we've actually got a separate, yeah, yeah, because oh, this is turning nasty. And so, so you know what we need to do? We need to do our own Blair Witch. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend. We, we get down the bottom of the end of the road, and that's like. No, no, we'd just do it in Lee's garden. Yeah, we'll just do it in Lee's garden. That'd be it. What was that? What was that? Oh, it's Jennifer. What was that? Oh, it's the ducks. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, oh, at least we can eat a duck. Scary bitch. <laughs> and um, and originally Mike was meant to disappear, mm. but and and. I love this. I love this quote uh, because Josh and Heather had become so annoying and disruptive. Was the term that they'd used about how much they were fucking rowing? They pulled Josh out instead, mm-hmm. and I actually think that dynamic works better because then it's not the two people who are familiar with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Josh is like the go-between. He knows Heather. He knows Mike mm. before this, but Heather and Mike don't know each other. And I think yeah. that actually works better as it. And oddly enough, probably get on better without fucking Josh. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and apparently Josh was quite pleased because he got to go to a Jane's Addiction concert that he thought he couldn't make <laughs> so, by nice. being released early. Um, the I thing also that gets... got this Sorry, is a God. Halloween film. Yeah. I also forgot this is a Halloween film. It's set a Halloween, but no one ever mentions it as a Halloween film, weirdly. I mean, it's not particularly in there, but. It's definitely set at Halloween. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, because they go to the store and it's got all the Halloween decorations mm. up and stuff. Um, the thing that gets me with it, and I think it might play slightly into what Chris was saying earlier about him seeming to remember seeing, you know, shadows of people and stuff like that. Um, mm. The sound and video quality on this is just yeah. fantastic. Like now it's mm. all available in HD on Netflix. It looks and sounds amazing. And I love the mm. dynamic of the two cameras, the black and white and the 
the yes, other one. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. As if that's all they times. could get their hands yeah. on, and mm. the, they just bolt the two together. Yeah. Um, and it just looks and sounds fantastic. Because I think that's the problem mm. I had a lot of the films that came after this. Mm. So this, as we, as we say, this, you know, there'd been a few before this. This was the massive groundbreaking one. Um, mm. But the ones that came after this were done on like soup. You know, it was people saying, oh, I can make a massive blockbuster on next to no budget if I just get mm. my hands on a shitty camera. Um, and they always look and sound shitty and you can't hear what's yeah. going on. You can't see. Whereas with this, the, they look like poorish documentary quality stuff, but it's mm. good enough that you can see what's going on. And that, as I say, yeah. now available yeah. in HD, it, it, it still stands up now. It looks really, really crisp and really clean. Mm. But in and, a, and like you say, that dynamic between the two, because that really high contrast black and white with, it looks almost like old Bauhaus videos and stuff like that. You know, it's yeah. like that just... You know, it's like we'll we'll do cabinet of Dr. Caligari for 20 quid. And so it's got that, but it immediately does create an eeriness to it. Yeah. And it's yeah, yeah. which but then and then you get the video, which immediately just makes everything feel real. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, it's like home movies, or mm. it's like, you know, stuff you've filmed yourself. And and like you say, I mean, nowadays, I mean obviously. You know, with phones, cameras, whatever else like that, everything's in fucking super crisp HD. But we still, I think we just generationally still come from somewhere where that sort of shitty video, that video quality definitely sort of denotes reality yeah. in a weird way. Yeah, it feels home, like home video and cine and mm. yeah. What's- What's going to be kind of strange is though, um, I mean, I saw in Apple's new update to their camera, they've got like something cinematic motion, something like that. I, I didn't really mm. look into it. But like as as that becomes normal and I probably um, AI will come into it and we will end up with more and more cinematic looking videos that are yeah. home videos. Obviously, the, the acting will still be, you know, terrible and the, the uh, angles won't be great. But yeah, it would be interesting mm. that the look, this look will become forgotten eventually like yeah. once all devices have that level um yeah, be well, because it, it becomes also well why would you choose to do that it does become a aesthetic choice yeah because mm. i mean literally i mean the budget on this they actually took one of the cameras back after the fucking weekend mm. they took it back to the shop you know oh sorry yeah we, we didn't <laughs> want it after yeah. all. Can, we, can we exchange it yeah they got their money back yeah <laughs> And, you know, A, excellent budget work. <laughs> and also B, so someone's, someone, well, it's not there now, but someone probably had in their cupboard for 15 the original, years I, the original camera from the Blair Witch Project yeah. and didn't even know it. Yeah. I mean, if you look at something like uh, uh, um, It's My Party, which we obviously covered mm. previously and, uh, and got to talk to Sony about, and that's what he was saying, you know, the, the biggest outlay on that film above special effects and everything else was buying that camera. Like that was the big mm. step was buying that camera. Um, yeah. And it became a massive investment that you then had to follow up on. And as you say, mm. like it, now your phone that you can get, you know, for 300 quid or, you know, you can get as part of your contract and pay an extra 20 quid a month or whatever. Yeah. It's capable of doing the same thing. So mm. yeah, I think, it, I think it's massively going to change the quality of stuff that people can put out for a low budget. Yeah. 
which I'm I'm not sure how that's going to work out. I mean, hopefully no. for independent <laughs> cinema, it will be a great thing, but it does mean there'll be an awful lot mm. more shit out there because anybody who's yeah. got a mobile phone can suddenly make a film, which well, I don't think they I, should. Again, I think this is the problem that's happened with... I mean, there's still some great found footage of it. I would love to... I'd love mm. us to do... We should do uh, The Last Broadcast at some point because I'd just love to show it to Chris just so I can see the comparison in a way. And it, yeah. is, a, it is a different thing because the that is presented as a documentary. That's basically more like Curse of the Blair Witch than it is the, the, mm. the Blair Witch project, like the actual the film. Oh, okay. And... Um, or, um, the Borderlands, which is yes, you know, and again, mm. that you know, there's sort of there's still some great ones out there. But I think what happened with this is everyone was like, oh, they just took like two cameras into the woods and filmed a movie, and everyone went and saw it. And it's like, yeah, but they also basically tormented yeah three people going through a fucking like psychodrama where they weren't <laughs> even themselves because they'd all decided to be in character starved them, scared the shit out of them, made them feel like crap. And you it know was that anticipation <laughs> as well. As you say, it was the mm. it was the kind of media that surrounded it. It was that anticipation mm. of this is you know, this is what you're gonna see. And it's it, it was a fantastic new idea. Yeah. Whereas mm. uh, whereas I don't think that as you said before, I don't think that'd work now. So although no, people would have the ability to do it, I don't think they'd pull it off anywhere near as successfully as this film. No, this is this is as of its time as say uh, Orson Welles' War of the Worlds. Yeah, you know where it's like mm, now yeah, yeah. that wouldn't that mm. wouldn't or or even Ghostwatch. Ghostwatch is actually probably the nearest because Ghostwatch again was kind of presented as real, mm. you know, but not. But equally, it's sort of you know, I think that yeah, this is just something that can't happen now, mm. but for its time it's just not only that but like you said chris this is like this is a multimedia fucking thing yeah yeah there is a soundtrack to the blair witch project i own the album of the soundtrack to the blair witch project mm. which does not feature the one song that is in the blair witch project <laughs> which mm. is the one they had to overdub because they couldn't afford <laughs> yeah uh, we gotta get out of this place by the animals but here's the but here's the smart move so as i say because it was the 90s. <laughs> a soundtrack album had to accompany your film. That was part of the selling process. And there was always that thing as well where it would be like, if we get a breakout single on it, everyone wanted to do a fucking soundtrack. Because if you did like, say, for example, The Bodyguard, mm. you had that number one fucking hit yeah. from Whitney Houston, yeah. which meant that everyone bought the album. So even anyone who had a song on there is a multi-platinum selling artist <laughs> Not even off the back of their own fucking talent, because yeah. everyone bought it because of the Whitney track, and it's this. It's a similar sort of thing, but so, but again, going into the meta thing, it was um, much like you know when you started getting those ones where it's like music from and inspired by. And it's like yeah. right. So what you mean is you've got thirteen minutes of score, and now you're just going to put on the latest new metal, okay? Mm -hmm. Right, um, but. So, so what they did was they they presented it. It's called Josh's Blair Witch Mix, and it's meant to be the tape, the compilation tape that he'd made, mm. and was found in his abandoned car. Yeah, nice, smart move. Yeah. It's a smart move, and you've the only thing that is on there that is actually from the sound from the film is 
uh, Antonio Cora, who did like the sound design. Um, mm. There's a track called The Cellar, which is basically the ambience from the end of it that then leads into the end credits. Mm. So, so that's on there. But then it's basically a really interesting goth industrial mixtape, which I don't feel is Josh. I don't know why. I think Josh would be, you know, it'd be more it'd be Seattle. More, yeah, I was going to say, he's way mm. more like cock rocky from his mm. appearance and his attitude, I'd have said. But. Whereas, whereas on here, you've got uh, Lydia Lunch, Public Image Limited, and it's my favourite fucking song of theirs ever, Order of Death. Skinny Puppy, Bauhouse, The Creatures, Layback, The Afghan Wigs, Frontline Assembly, Typo Negative, uh, Meat Beat Manifesto and Tones on Tail. I'm sorry, but I do not see Josh listening to any of those. No. But much the better for it, because Josh's would have probably just been a bit wank. Yeah. So, you know, but but again, <laughs> it's like, so you've got a soundtrack CD to a film without a soundtrack. And again, it's, it's you know, there's so much, there's that thing, like you said, Chris, it's the multi-platform, mm. multimedia, which again was something that, everyone was trying to do for a while mm. probably because of this everyone was trying to sort of i think it really woke up a lot of people towards the possibilities of the internet for certainly for, as a marketing strategy mm. you know from that point of view and it's, it's horrible to say because obviously you have to really go marketing um but you know it's sort of thing. It, 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 you, you're right it, you know it is it's a it's a terrible it's a horrible thing. But, but, no, but, but there's a subtle difference though right. between marketing and immersive experience yes. yeah, which also absolutely. sounds like a bit of a, a wanky yeah. thing but isn't necessarily no 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 when it's I'm, done I'm right it's absolutely yeah. Yeah. fucking groundbreaking very and that's, that's, this was mm. groundbreaking that's the thing as adam mm. said like yeah. nobody had done anything like this before you know mm. you released a film you'd release a trailer that was it like building up this whole massive world mm. building thing before it had even hit the cinemas or had a release date to some degree. Um, <laughs> this had been planned out so far in advance. It's incredibly mm. done. Absolutely flawless. And it, and it makes, I mean, it's a good film. It's a very good film. But I think the world that it built around it is just so... It's what really sets it apart. Yeah. It's mm. just astonishingly so, it's funny, so like, I missed out on you know pretty much all of that I, the, when you said the website I had a sudden you know memory mm -hmm. of probably seeing the, the site but I don't know for sure because um, because the, the website was purported to be set up basically saying it, it was a, a missing persons website yeah like so, so I, kind of, had, I don't know whether someone might have told yeah. me about it or if I did actually go to it but yeah I, I do kind so of remember I, that because I think what they did was, is basically they set it up and it was like the Blair Witch Project, as in we found this footage of these missing people, can you help? Mm. Or can you work out what's happened to? But also with, oh, and here's a link to this folklore website that mm. they'd also made, uh, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's sort of, you know, they, no, I mean, this is the thing. It's care and attention. And the thing I really like about it is, it is so, it, they don't over egg the folklore side of it. No. Everything sounds right. It sounds like the Bell Witch or it mm. sounds like the Jersey Devil. It's that, do you know what I mean? Where it's like, not, it's not a fully formed story, but it's enough. Yeah. Yeah. But you can yeah. imagine it being passed down to generations and people, and even then people going, yeah, but that's silly because of that. 
but you don't you don't um you don't try and explain bits or you yeah. don't try and you know it's like well here's what passed this is what my grand said to me anyways she always said that it was because of this and yeah they sort of well, I think yeah that's the thing just... with those kind of folklore stories is that mm. there's always an element of this is a story that's generally known and passed down and then there's an element of Oh, and so and so down the pub, he said, yeah. and then it adds to you know it's and there's elements of it that you write off as bullshit, but you know that there's a kind of core story there, mm. and this adds all of that to it, which I, I, I so, so it yeah. makes it more believable that they they sort of question it. Some of them, you know, like yeah, I don't believe in that. Yeah, but the they can guys, still they can still talk about it. What the fishing? The two guys fishing are yeah, just yeah. brilliant because they're so mm. believable. Those two guys yeah. have got nothing in common except that they yeah. go fishing. They, they fishing, don't really yeah. like each other, but they've got nobody else to go fishing with. Yeah. It's such a believable relationship <laughs> that it just made me laugh. It's just so, it's so perfectly written. Absolutely astonishing. That, that was an alternate ending at one point. Mm. Is that it was going to just turn out to be the fishermen were fucking with them. <laughs> uh, but they, and, and, and again, a great use of the term, they just decided bit Scooby Doo. Yeah. So <laughs> turns out it was old man Fishers and his young friends, Fishers. <laughs> and yeah, so they did, so they sort of decided against, against that. But yeah, it is those. Uh, and again, they said to the, they said to like the guys, right, go and interview people around the town. And like I say, they've told them that this is a real fucking story in Burkittsville. So they're going around interviewing people and they planted actors. Mm. So they would go and interview people and some people would be like, I've never heard of the Blair Witch. And then yeah. other people would oh, Blair Witch, yeah, mm -hmm. my grand used to say about that. But that was a fucking actor <laughs> who did press. And so again, you're giving them this sort of thing. That's where like a proper like, magic trick. Yeah, it's just Darren Brown shit. It's, yeah. you know, it does sort of, yeah, harking back to ghost stories. It's very sort of, it is that sort of thing of you immerse them in that world. Yeah. And it produces this sort of, this sort of interest. Now, the best quote I can say about this was shot in eight days, edited in eight months. Mm. So, because obviously they had so much fucking footage. Yeah. But, that they had to sort of get through because obviously both cameras are running pretty much simultaneously mm. Mm. Um, for majority of it, you know. So it's sort of yeah. And here's one for you. It was in I don't. It's not there anymore. But it was in the Guinness Book of World Records for the top budget box office ratio for a mainstream feature film because this film made. $10,931 for every dollar they spent. Fucking mm. hell. Yeah. It made $248 million. Mm. Oh, my God. That, that's an exorbitant amount of money. But... The budget was 60 grand. Yeah. And as we know how tight that was, they would take the fucking cameras back. Yeah. Hurry, Lord. <laughs> Hell. Well, yeah, they, they were pleased with that result. That's oh, the beauty of this film, and it, it <laughs> absolutely shines through. And this film, it is one, if we hadn't covered it, I probably wouldn't have watched it for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm really glad that I did go back and re-watch it. So well done, Manny, for, for recommending yeah. it. Yeah. 
absolutely. He then later, before he actually uh, had something else crock up, had, had changed what he wanted to cover anyway. Um, <laughs> so I'm not glad that he couldn't make it, but I'm glad that we've had to postpone him joining us so that we could still cover this film because, yeah, mm. I was just blown away by how much I yeah. enjoyed it and, and still how strong a, a film it is just on its own merit yeah. without the, the documentary and stuff. Mm. It, it still works just as a film. If you just sit down and watch it, I, I think it's absolutely outstanding. And it brought it certainly brought it back for me how into like the whole thing I was. Because like I say, mm. I had the I've got the album, I had the book, I was on all the fucking websites. I you, you know what I mean? I it was just because it was so fucking rich that there was stuff there mm. that you could involve yourself with. And even down to that, I mean, like even with the stuff with um, uh, like Rustin Parr, there's a lovely take on that where they're like, oh, yeah, Rustin Parr used the Blair Witch as an excuse for his murders. Not Rustin Parr was possessed by the Blair Witch. Everyone, yeah. it still has a rationale, uh, like uh, it still has a, like, a, a reason behind it that's a sensible reason. Plausible and realistic. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You know, rather yeah. than sort of like, oh, and then the witch comes back every eight years and possesses. No, no, that doesn't happen. But we did have this creepy old fucking Albert Fish type who killed who killed a load of kids. And he mm. tried to excuse it by saying the witch made him do it. Or the witch made him do it. You know, it's yeah. sort of a lovely, yeah, they just do it so fucking well. Mm. Obviously, you you they rush released a sequel in 2000. Yikes. Uh, couldn't bring myself to uh, watch it. I wanted I to. Did. I just couldn't. Oh, well done. I, I did because I was like, again, I was like, I remember enjoying it. But also the thing I liked about it was, again, I enjoyed the meta-ness of it. Because I think what happened was a lot of people, it was like, Blair Witch, found footage film, it's done all this, da, da, da. And then you go and see this. And because Blair Witch kind of turned up and almost was like, sort of like, Right, there is an alternative to Scream. We don't just have to be ironic with pretty people for, for horror for now. You know, yeah. we can do real horror. Mm. You know, you, do you know what I mean? Like sort of a, 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 not, a non-ironic, non-tongue-in-cheek, not knowing or anything else like that. And Book of Shadows, uh, Blair Witch 2, is that sort of a movie. It's a teen slasher mm. movie. But... Okay. Within the universe of the Blair Witch Project, it's meant to be that the Blair Witch Project film came out, but it was, for want of a better word, a hoax. So mm. it's our reality where it's like, okay. oh, like the, Blair yeah. Witch, the Blair Witch came out and they did this marketing thing that was really, really good. Yeah. So, hey, these three actors are still alive. They're fine. You know, it was a show. Mm. And so, but it's meant to be that the film is based on some real life murders that occurred because of a guy who was obsessed with the film. Mm. And it's basically, he runs tours because that's what happened to Burkittsville is suddenly everyone fucking descended on his yeah. town. The cemetery sign kept getting nicked. And, mm. you know, like people were just taking like fucking road signs and everywhere was just, they were just getting ripped. They were just like this small little town and they were just getting pissed off by hundreds of like goths and film students wandering through the place. And so Blair Witch 2 is is basically the cash-in slasher teen movie based on real events. 
And actually, there's a documentary that goes with that called um, Shadow of the Blair Witch, which tells you the real story. And the best thing about it is they hire a guy to be like the one of the main characters in the film. And he is perfect as the real version of who this guy is Hollywood. Okay. If you see what I mean. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah. And it, everything's just right. And it's like the van in the film is sort of like proper, like done out. Whereas his van, slightly more shit and slightly yeah. left well stenciled and slightly, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it's just, I love that meta-ness to it. And if anything, it's just a fucking big dumb movie. You know, and I think I think I think it got a lot of hate for not being the equal of the Blair Witch, but yeah. I think it's, almost, it, it's that it's that thing like with Aphex Twin, where it's like Aphex Twin releases an album, it's like oh it hasn't fucking changed my life, and it's like we can't do it every fucking, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, for every come to daddy, there's got to be a siren or whatever, you know, yeah. it's just a fucking good album, and it's similar with this Blair Witch too. I would say. Especially, I uh, watch the film and then watch the documentary. It's like the opposite way around of this. And but basically, yeah, it explains what you've seen in the film. Now, the film was actually the weird thing was the film was made by, uh, was directed by the guy, a guy who did a load of documentaries about the West Memphis, Memphis Three. Yeah, yeah. Which is the three guys who were, yeah, the, who were accused of um, the three guys who were accused of murder and end up doing time for it, who are actually. Uh, who have been released, but their plea bargain is the weirdest fucking release in the world because it basically says, we signed this to say, yes, we did it, but that means we can get out of jail. So the police have got it all tidied up and they don't have to look for anyone. <laughs> and they definitely did it, but we'll let them out because they didn't do it. Mm. And it's, yeah. I mean, the whole thing's fucked, to be honest. But yeah, <coughs> but yeah so... That kind of, I think that works, you know, as a, mm. as a sort of thing, and it's just an and especially there's some lovely piss takey bits in it as well, where it's like, oh my god, who put those rocks there? Oh, it was just me just a minute ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> and you know, it's sort of, it it has its merits. It's no fucking Blair Witch Project by any stretch of the imagination. And one of my favourite year about, as well, yeah, very next year. And the thing was mm. that because. Um, American Sanchez didn't want to do another film that quickly. They were like, right, can you do the sequel? And he's like, no. And they said, well, we own the rights to the distribution of the sequel, so we'll get that going, shall we? And fuck them off. Just for them. And it is literally a cheap cash-in, but it kind of suits what the movie is in a weird way. It's like reality bleeds into the fictional reality, and but they both kind of work the right way. <laughs> um, I'm definitely so, going to give that a go, I think. I've just yeah, added it to my Halloween what, watch list. If if nothing else, it's just, if it wasn't a Blair Witch film, it would be just an uh, an entertaining film that you watched one fucking evening where you're like, actually, that was better than I thought. <laughs> um, that's that's definitely where I, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know anyone it's in It's got this. four on IMDb out of ten. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to set my... Uh, but again, I remember it not being great, so I'm going to go in with low expectations and uh, we'll see how it yeah, goes. You, like I say, I mean, it's just... It's just, uh, it's not... That's the thing. It's not a Blair Witch film in the sense of if you like the Blair Witch Project, it's not. As a horror fan, you can it's... watch... You can watch you, it works because it's just like, oh, this is just like something that came out 
like I don't know, urban legend or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like just mm. one of those sort of yeah, mid range, enjoyable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then in 2006 they did the Blair Witch, but they've tried to do found footage, but obviously, like we said, with proper cameras being made to seem degraded, mm. and with a CGI witch and stuff like that. Now I can't speak to it because I have not seen it, but I have heard nothing but. <laughs> bad things should we say i think because i think they've again weirdly enough although everyone hated book of shadows the one thing clever thing that book of shadows didn't do was try to do the same film yeah Mm. whereas i think this tries to do the same film and again it's like we've discussed we don't live in 1999 anymore yeah you can't make the same film and get the same reaction you know i mean the one clever thing that i liked about it is that i know that up until uh, that it was just being made as a film called The Woods. And then they announced it at Comic-Con that actually, oh, by the way, it's a Blair Witch film. And everyone lost their shit for about a day and a half. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I quite like that because, and that was, again, that was just immediately, they'd made that decision because it was like, right, as soon as you announce you're doing this, everyone's just going to say it's shit and they shouldn't have done number two, and they shouldn't have done the... Because apparently that's the thing, it ignores number two completely. That's not mentioned Mm. or anything else like that. But I think the main character is meant to be Heather's little brother who's going looking for her, and there's a will-they-won't-they relationship with... Basically, all the stuff that they decided not to do with Blair Witch Project, like, that's probably just going to get shit. I seem to remember I did buy it. I think it is on the shelf. Uh, I think I put it in one night and got about half an hour into it and was like, yeah, this is just too... It was too cringy and it was too... I can't quite remember what it was. Yeah, like it was... It it, it had too much Hollywood in it almost. So it was like the guy who's Mm. taking them into the woods was like, oh yeah, I'll take you to where it all happened. Yeah, and within about 10 minutes or so, it was like, all right, so he's clearly a massive racist and he's a total dickhead. And mm. like, it, it just had too much of that kind of... Uh, the thing that worked with the Blair Witch was the fact that they were all... They didn't quite know each other and they were trying hard and they were all in a horrible situation. Whereas this was immediately like, like there's one person who's a prick and he's going to fuck mm. them all over. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And within mm. about 25 minutes, I was like, yeah, I, I don't think this is going to work at all in the same way. I would hate, I would, I would actually have to say, I think what seems to be, and like I say, this is reading reviews. I've not seen it. I, I think I put it on for about five minutes one night and then it was like, or I could watch that. And that's as far as I got. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not even saying that that remotely gives me a chance of having judged the film. But I just know It does that seem like everything they left out of the Blair Witch Project, that yeah. was a good choice because yeah. that essentially is what I, made I, it I, unique. I know this sounds ridiculous. What, they, what they've what they tried to put in is story. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I, I agree. You are right. It sounds like a ridiculous thing to say, but you are right. Like taking that element out was what made it feel real because there was no Mm. A to B. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was a shitty situation with people having a fucking bad time Mm. of it. And that feels more real. Not only that, but also what when you're filming on camera, they wouldn't necessarily be like, 
oh, what's the, what's the matter, Josh? Oh, well, I'm just writing this love letter to my lady. She's, she's fan and she... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But do you know what I mean? There wasn't any... It just makes mm. it real. Yeah. yeah. It yeah, just definitely. feels real. And as soon as you start... It's the difference between your life and EastEnders. Mm. You know, it's like, well, fuck me, you've had a dramatic fucking six months, haven't you? The place yeah. burnt down, your mum came yeah. back to the <laughs> You know, there's the, the dog exploded, <laughs> and it and it turns and it turns out that uh, your wife of twenty years was actually your dad of fifteen years, <laughs> and you, you know, and sort of. Whereas it's like, yeah, no one has a shit. No one just watches soap operas. So, you know, which is how most people's lives seem to go. I mean, so obviously, obviously what happened to them? But yeah, so what, I mean, what happened to him? So Josh seems to have done the best in terms of, he's got 89 credits Mm. um, and directs. more than Tom Cruise. That's more than Tom Cruise. (laughs) Thank you. We shall remember that fact. But yeah, so he's got, um, so he's, the one thing I thought was most interesting is that he is the voice of Tyler Durden in the computer game of Fight Club. Is he? Yeah. Um, Sounds like he does a lot of voice work and stuff, but, Mm. um, but yeah, he's in, um, he's in Hatchet, he's in, I love those films. He's in a couple of Larry Fessenden movies. Uh, he's in the town that dreaded sundown. Um, and the only way I can describe this is he appears in lots of films with actual big name stars that you've never heard of. You know, when you go on IMDb and you see a film, it's like, what's that? And you're like, so for example, he's in a film called Scorched with Woody Harrelson and John Cleese. What? You'd think you'd know about that film. <laughs> yeah. But, cle- but clearly you don't need to. You know, I'm assuming that there's a reason why the John Cleese Woody Harrelson team up hasn't broken the box office. You know, and so yeah, so he's he's done that. Mike Mike is still acting, but he's he's got like 17 credits. He is in, in Altered, the film I was talking mm. about earlier, like the right. Alien Abduction one, and he is really fucking good in that. Um, and it's like, oh, because you're seeing someone playing a role rather than yeah, you know. Being, being themselves essentially um, and then Heather's got 16 credits uh, she does she's been in it's always sunny in Philadelphia in the outer limits um, but um, basically she's retired from acting um, and uh, she said it's I think it's because essentially she became the face of the Blair Witch film of the Blair Witch project mm. so she got she ended up with threatening encounters with disgruntled members of the public and had difficulty finding acting afterwards because people were like, oh, well, you're too associated with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so she retired in 2008 and she is now a licensed medical marijuana farmer. Go, girl. Well, not only that, but also it is very telling that part of their improvised dialogue is, has anyone got any weed? So- <laughs> <laughs> While they're all slamming beers in the hotel, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So, and actually, I mean, again, I think she, apparently when she first turned up and they were like explaining to her and everything, she went, you're not making a snuff movie, are you? <laughs> and she did, and she took a knife with her because she was like, I'm going to be sleeping in a tent with two blokes I don't know. Mm. And I thought, oh, I kind of know this is legit, but not that just, sure. Yeah. You know, that's, that's precautionary. Girl. Yeah, exactly. And um, I also yeah. noticed, I've got to say, one of the very few, uh, one of the very first scenes, sorry, of the Blair Witch, actually turned to Lady Jennifer and said, I don't remember her looking this much like you, but she actually kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she looked like Greta Thunberg. I don't know who that is, but I'm going to assume it is not offensive to my wife. <laughs> no, especially because Greta Thunberg's about like 19. All oh, right, okay, that's good. Um, but yeah, right. So, to wrap up, um, yeah, I, I think this is definitely a solid recommend all round, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's a Halloween film, so we're, we're on yeah, even better on track. Bonus points, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, this film, uh, you know, I've said before that. A found footage, a bit like zombie films and stuff, I've kind of had my mm. issues with because uh, just because it started its own subgenre that made it mm. possible for anybody to just go out and make a film. And as a result, <laughs> a lot of people made a lot of shit. But of this yeah. film is, is absolute quality. Mm. Just yeah, absolutely loved every minute of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, found footage versus zombie, actually, zombie probably has a better hit rate. Yeah, mm. I, I think you know, because which is yeah. saying something because there is a lot of old cat <laughs> out there, painful amount. Um, mm. so for our next movie, before I tell you what it is, Ooh. I actually watched an online seminar this week. Um, yeah, I know, sounding that sounds serious. I've even got glasses yeah. on and everything. It um, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't a seminar, was it? <laughs> <laughs> That's tomorrow. Um, oh. So uh, it's the London Month of the Dead uh, and they're doing lots of talks and walks and stuff around central London. Um, lots of the old cemeteries and stuff are getting involved and they've been doing lots of these really interesting seminars. Uh, I haven't written the guy's name down. I apologise for not doing that. But we watched a seminar last night uh, on the Hand of Glory. Are you Ooh. aware of the Hand of Glory? Yep. Kind of a dead man turned into a candle. That's the one. So yep. from the 14th to the 17th century, it was believed that if you had the hand from a hanged man and you either uh, put candle, attach candles to the fingers or put a candle in the hand and carried it into mm. a house, basically you could go in and rob that house and <laughs> anybody who was in there would sleep for the whole time you were in there. And become yeah, you would kind get one of unconscious, or it mm. would make you invisible to the people in the house. And what I found fascinating was that this this whole thing came from a misinterpretation of the French word. So basically, the French at the time were using uh, the mandrake root for mm -hmm. surgery and stuff, and were putting it into wine as an anaesthetic. And it was a mistranslation because mandrake in French when it was uh, translated over, sounded a lot like Hand of Glory. So people thought 
oh, right. So if I use this, it's an anesthetic and therefore people will sleep ah, the whole time. It's fascinating, right? I don't, it was one of those things. It was like, I'm going to watch this seminar, but it is about something that's clearly nonsense. But actually, an hour and a quarter talk, I found it absolutely fascinating. It was really good. And it went into the other use of um, uh, of the use of hanged men and women, mm. like the people taking their body parts for stuff and using them for yeah. fertility mm. and all kinds of stuff. So it's really fascinating. Well, waste not, want not. Well, absolutely. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so that leads us into our next film that we're going to cover in a kind of roundabout way. Adam, as this was your choice, I will allow you to tell everyone. Allow you. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> That's very kind of you, oh. Thank you. <laughs> I, I think Dobby you announced should... the film now, does he? <laughs> what I meant is, I think you should tell everyone was what I meant. <laughs> what the next Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, well, I was just thinking and thinking. And then I just more thinking. That's dangerous. Oh, yeah. The Not smell. The smell was indescribable. Um, but, um, yeah, I realised that there was a film we've covered. We've covered a lot of sequels. We've covered multiple Nightmare on Elm Streets, uh, mm. Romero's Dead films. You know, that we've done sequels. But the one thing we haven't done is this particular sequel. And this particular sequel mm. somehow, for me, just feels like Halloween. Yep. Because mm. it is a rambunctious, gross, mental take on horror. And it's essentially fun for all the family. And it is Evil Dead 2. Yes. Dead by Dawn. And here's one for you to ponder. The thing that finally tipped me over with this is... In the week, I saw a really brief clip of uh, Bruce Campbell uh, talking about uh, Evil Dead. And um, he pointed out something very interesting, which is it's probably the only horror franchise where the hero is the character everyone gravitates to. Because if you think about any other franchise of horror, it's the monster. Yeah, mm. 100%. Yeah. Whereas Ash is who you go to Evil Dead for. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Which is that, you know, and, and so we can leave that percolating as well mm. for people and stuff like that, just as a thought. Very nice. Because, yeah, yeah, everything else is centred around, you know, it's Freddy Krueger, it's Michael Myers, it's Jason, it's Pinhead mm. or whatever like that. Whereas, yeah, he is the he's the hero to a greater or lesser extent. And, uh, <laughs> but he is... It's true, yeah, actually. Yeah, you always get your... Kind of your final girl, but generally they're killed off pretty quickly in the next film to make room yeah. for a whole new group of teams. But yeah, you're you right. Don't tend to remember that. their name much, do you? At least yeah. I couldn't, couldn't or, name or, many of the leading heroes. They at, least, they at least make it to the third film, but mm. by then the actress is doing very well and doesn't need this <laughs> shit anymore. So <laughs> she asks to be written out fairly swiftly. <laughs> so. And you do get you get reoccurring characters. You get like Doctor Loomis in the Halloween films and stuff like that. But that's not who you think of when mm, someone says no. Halloween. He's not on all the t-shirts. He's mm. he should be. He's fucking Donald Pleasant. He's on everyone's t-shirt. But <laughs> I digress. But yeah, so Evil Dead Two. The, Excellent. 
the Looney Tunes of horror. Mm. And it's that fantastic thing. I know we'll cover it on the episode, so I don't want to get into it. But it's that weird thing that I love as well, where it isn't quite a remake or quite a sequel, but it works unlike the thing, which when they tried to do that a few mm. years ago, kind of spanned both of those things and was utter dog shit. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Excellent. Right. So yeah, exciting. We shall be back in a fortnight's time for The Evil Dead 2. Thanks very much for listening and putting up with us coughing, spluttering, sniffing and oyster drinking for the last hour and a half or whatever it is. Um, and we will see... <laughs> Sorry, Adam. Yeah, and we Sorry. will see you all... Just, just like a seminar. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Night. night.